0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Jesse H.S., and you are listening to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by HeartGuide Media, and today I have an extremely special guest, someone that our listeners are probably going to be familiar with, especially if they listen to our most recent episode. And today, my guest has nearly 100 acting credits, having steady, steady work in countless television shows, including episodes of Silk Stockings, Blue Bloods. Law & Order, JAG, Renegade, Xena Warrior Princess. She was also the lead in a UK show, She She Wolf of London. She also starred in studio films, Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee, The Hidden Two, and of course, a a movie that is very topical for us, especially this week and this week in general in the world of genre movies. Uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, she played the lead role of Michelle, a memorable final girl. Early 90s film, we covered this a few days ago, and the response to that has been awesome to see more and more fans of that film come out. So today, we have Kate Hodge on the podcast, and I am really, really excited for this conversation because this movie is some, uh, you know, Leatherface, Sex Chainsaw Massacre 3 is something I've been a fan of since I was very young, so Kate, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Mr. Jesse and everybody out there.
0: This is uh, it's really cool to to go back and, and, and I guess reflect on this film. Um, and we're gonna get into this film. Uh, but first of all, I gotta say, it's being able to recognize you and other things like after I you know was saw Leatherface uh, very young, probably too young. Um, so when I would when I would see you in things, when I would find like Rapid Fire in my teenage years, and then like f- discover the Hidden, and then watch the Hidden, figure out there's a sequel to the Hidden, and watch the Hidden Two, and see you in that, it's been so awesome to, and, and I think the fans too have felt like uh, I've I felt the the Kate Hodge fandom and the appreciation for for you and in these films specifically Leatherface, um, kind of start to really come out of the the clouds of, of genre fandom and it's been it's been awesome. And I'm like I, I saw that you I know you recently had to cancel a horror convention, but I saw you're doing conventions uh, a little more than uh, than in the past and it's been awesome yeah. to see you out there.
1: Yes, it's been so fun. The but we just did a really great one the Leatherface cast reunion. And Texas Frightmare last, I guess it was last September.
0: Yeah, 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 that's right. How was? Did you? Were you able to kind of, uh, gra- especially te- how apropos for it to be in Texas of all places, too? Right. <laughs> uh, did you feel like? Because I felt the fandom for Leatherface for this movie kind of build after I think for a while, like tried and true, and and more like hard-headed horror fans would just kind of view it as just a another sequel in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, franchise, but I yeah. think that this film really has a cult following now and there's a lot of appreciation especially when you you talk the likes of Billy Butler and Ken Foree. I mean, it's a star-studded genre cast, that launched the obviously I know,
1: Ken Billy Butler, uh Vigo Mortensen, let's not forget.
0: I, I, I know. <laughs> now have you felt like the love for this film like start to build and are you seeing it more and more as the years go on
1: i kind of am i do think that you know the sort of um this sort of comic stuff that happens in it like people have really come to appreciate like it's it's a great horror movie but it's also there's so many tongue-in-cheek parts <laughs> like with um with uh <clears throat> not only Leatherface, but with like uh, Alfred or Albert or shoot, sorry, Tom Everett.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean that classic classic stuff. Kate, when we talked the movie, like that was such like uh, for my co-host and I to, to discuss that, like we had so much, I have so much fun revisiting this because when I'm a kid, it's just, I was just terrified of the film because it, it, it is a gritty, dirty horror film. And it kind of returned to the form of the original but there's so much like you said there is so much like lightheartedness that can take you out of like the horror element with tom everett's character with even you know ken ferre in his character of benny when he's you know fighting with vigo's character of tax yeah. like, it's it, it, it it's, it's not just it's not a straightforward horror movie there's a lot of different elements in
1: the film Exactly. That's what I think is sort of for a horror movie. It's pretty charming. Yeah, absolutely. Now what
0: for you, what's your origin story? If you were going to give us a cliff noted version of your or- origin story of getting into acting, at, cause this is, you know, this is one of your first uh, credits and you know, this is your first uh, lead credit, you know, how, what was your origin story to getting into acting?
1: Yes. Well, I, um, As a little girl, I fell in love with the stage because my mother would take me to the opera and the ballet. And so I got into uh, ballerina, being a ballerina as a little girl. And then I really got into movies. I saw the movie Francis Farmer with um, Jessica Lange on HBO when I was home alone when I was like 14. And we just got an HBO and I was like, okay, now I want to be an actress, but I could only get into UCLA uh, as a dance major. So once I was in as a dance major, I just said, you know what? I'm gonna just switch over to the acting side. And so I petitioned to to be a theater major. And then lo and behold, there was a mime mime contest, and I won the Marcel Marcel Mime Contest. So I went to Paris for my senior year to study mime. And then I had one more year of college, but I met so many wild and fabulous circus performers in Europe. I said, you know, I don't need an education. I just need to start acting. So I just started acting. And well, first I started waiting tables and my parents gave me one year to get a job. And on the 11th month of my one year, I booked Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. Yeah. And I was hooked ever since. I just never thought I wasn't going to be an actress. Like I always get, you know, young people saying like, how do I get an agent? And how do I, you know, get into the business? And I said, you just have to want it. And you'll find a way if you really, really want it, you'll find a way because it is a brutal business. But um, you just have to be just a little bit crazy enough to think you can do it. (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely I mean, with
0: with all artists, uh, you know, actors, especially, you have to have that little element of, I guess for lack of a better term, craziness, that little, that little bit of you, that's off enough to think you could go for it. And that's, that's usually the tipping point for getting in and, and making it as it were.
1: Yes. I mean, here's a funny story. I just had uh, lunch with my friend who I went to hi- uh, high school with Chris Bauer from true blood and many other things. Um, And we were talking about we were both going to start our fifth decade of acting. And he said, so we're obviously both fucking insane. And I'm like, yes, we absolutely are.
0: As you said, it's just such a brutal business too. to I mean, for for me to see someone, you know, that has been in it for as long as you have and many actors and actresses, it's really I mean, you you have to love the art and love the occupation to to put up with all the shit that you do put up with for decades and decades and decades to yes. you know to, to to be able to produce you know the the art form of acting
1: yeah and to do you know just to do just anything that comes along and just you know I always said I'll do anything because it's acting is the most fun thing in the world It's worth the many thousands and thousands of rejections.
0: (laughs) Now I would, uh, something I have to talk to you about is the Tales from the Crypt episode you were in, Dead Right, which is the second season, first episode with Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, Yeah. Did you have any, and Howard Deutsch was the director on that. Did you have any fun stories about filming that and being a part? I mean, that's another thing that's, I, I feel like that is quite the feather to have in your hat nowadays is to say you were in that Tales from the Crypt series, because you're talking, you, you're, you it wasn't just like a horror, like anthology TV show or anything like that. It it was more important than that. Cause you had Robert Zemeckis, who was executive producer, Joel Silver, uh, you know, just. Oh yeah. It was totally freaking huge, huge names. And I think people forget how big that show was.
1: And it was funny because to me was a pretty big star then. And um, the real story is I auditioned for it and Howard Deutsch gave me the lead role because no celebrities really wanted to do TV at that time. Right. So I was like, I could not, not believe I was gonna be like co-starring with Jeffrey Tambor and all that kind of thing. And then the night before, or a couple of days before we started filming, he said, Kate i hate to tell you this but Demi heard that it was um, a vin- a a period piece and that she would be wearing vintage clothing so she decided to take the part after all but you can play her friend in it
0: <laughs> does that does that not like speak to like the uh, the how big like tales from the crypt was that like there was at, at one point there were so many huge stars that were still trying to get out in there or at least being offered it, and they were taking it. You talk, you know, Joe Pesci and Mary Ellen Trainer and all these these bigger stars. Granted, I think there was obviously a connection there with, you know, Zemeckis, and obviously produced by Richard Donner. There was a Warner tie-in for, uh, for the casting. I'm sure, but
1: yes, it, it, was, a big, well, I it think, was a big. Yeah, problem. I think that's what it was. I think Demi's agent probably said, "You cannot turn this down," and so she decided to do it again. Right, right. But it was fine because it was it was. Uh, amazing. Demi had just had her first child, Rumor, and she had just been on the cover of Vanity Fair with her pregnant belly, and she was huge, 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 and she had this huge Winnebago, and she had one of those giant mobile phones, (laughs) and I, you know, she was only a couple years older than me, but she was, I just remember thinking, this woman is a powerhouse. She had you know, she's like, oh, I'll, I'll take care of lunch. And let's I mean, she was, I, I'm like, okay, I'm literally like 14 in maturity compared to her. She was running the show. She was yeah. amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's, you talk about she all the... Grew pretty, she grew up pretty quick. I found out later, you know, her childhood was less than idyllic. And I was just a small kid from a, you know, a really nice, a really nice small town in Northern California. So, I did not have the the balls or the chops that she did but it, it was so fun to work with her.
0: And it's something I think that's, you know, these uh there the fandom for anything horror related, you know, you know myself in this podcast obviously being heavy horror related in it of itself but yeah. there is just there's something about the horror genre where the fandom is just the They're,
1: best. It's, they it's, are the best, and I never even knew about conventions until 2012. I went to something in uh, Kentucky, and I literally had like Xerox pictures. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I had the most amazing time meeting people—people people who remembered me from like grown women who are like She Wolf of London. Like, got me through high school. Like, you don't know how much you helped me, and just amazing fans—the best fans in the world.
0: Now, do you, do you find that as like um, now you seem like someone who's kind of like just in touch with, with your career anyway, but do you ever find like vindication when you, when you hear someone walk up and they talk about one of these, you know, there is like, there are people that I've seen Texas Chainsaw massacre three tattoos and everything. There are oh, yeah. people that love this film. And I think, I think on the surface, like, Someone who really didn't know the horror genre would think that, oh, that's just a throwaway sequel. But well, the, what they don't know is Ken Foree is in it, and Ken Foree is literally like an icon because of a Donald total v. icon
1: of the horror genre. Like he still gets bit top dollar to be in like you know the horror movies that come out now, and and, and
0: Billy Butler too. Like I mean, that's that's what I love about, you know, going to conventions and talking with other horror fans and an opportunity to talk to someone like you as well, who's in the thick of it and goes and is a guest at these conventions. Does it ever kind of just blow you away that like these, these films that, you know, as years went on five, 10, 15 years go on. And now you're at, you know, we're at the 30, you know, third or 32nd anniversary of, of Leatherface. Yes. You know, does it blow your mind that there are just, there's ravenous fans that like are so excited to like, just talk about this film with you, with Ken, with, with William Butler. It, does it blow your mind that the the fandom, it just just is stronger than it
1: was even when the film probably came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But stronger now. It blew me away in 2012. Like I was completely blown away but over the last i guess 10 years it's it's still astounding but it's it's so heartwarming you know it just feels if i feel like when the fans come to me in, at a convention i feel like you know we're part of this this group this special group that just loves like freaky fun stuff so it's really it's i guess heartwarming is the way i'd describe it most I mean, I, I've heard it said a
0: million times and I say it myself, there's probably the nicest group of people you could meet or horror fans too. You would think we would, a bunch of us would be psychotic madmen men and mad women, but
1: yeah, exactly. everyone
0: Good. is so nice and just so pumped to, to meet everyone and rehash these old memories and it's nostalgia, but then it's not really nostalgia because these people myself included we still like live for these films and talk about these films. So it's not it, there's a nostalgia. What do
1: you think? Like what do you think it is? I mean cuz it's definitely uh it's almost like a society of people that doesn't like is it sort of an out an, an outcast kind of thing cuz like actors are total gypsy outcasts. Yeah, it and, I think there's I an... people who who like horror are considered like Oh, you're crazy! You're like almost like heavy metal fans, like you're devil worshipers, but we're not. Oh, what one
0: hundred percent! Like that is like It, it is. It, it's like a gypsy like horde of good people that yeah. enjoy these films, and it's it definitely is like nostalgia based because when I watch this, when I watch Leatherface, when I watch this film, I remember going. For instance, this is how like tied together like all this stuff is. I remember going into the video store. This this podcast is called the Sight and Sound Podcast. That yeah. video store was called Sight and Sound Video. I remember going in there and seeing the Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three poster, being so creeped out by it. Yeah. Anticipating renting the film, renting it, and going home and and now you know, thirty some odd years later, I'm talking with Kate Hodge about it on my podcast. It's named after the video yeah. store. <laughs> it's a so cool. I mean, that that is, like, where the fandom's at. And you, I mean, no knock on other art and other genres, but, like, you're not getting, like, drama conventions. You're not even really getting comedy. No, con-
1: because there's a sort of an, an elitist thing with dramas and, you know, like, sort of Oscar kind of people. It's like, that's art. And somehow, like, horror is not considered art, even though it's a complete art form. But it's it's that sort of thing, like, you know, when I was in high school, I always wore my dad's clothes and I had really fuzzy hair and it was like, oh, she's weird. And so it's, I think it's like, like the Isle of Misfits in that Christmas movie. I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> it's like a, a band of outcasts that just are, but are so loving. It's a real dichotomy between the horror and the the love of the fans that has nothing to do with like slashing people in half.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think there's there's definitely and, and just hearing you uh you give a, a firsthand experience on how you really didn't know about conventions, you discover them and there's this whole like underworld of like these fans that worship these movies. And yes. you're and you're a part of that. Like, does it does it ever like and I know I think to like we said, like, you know, with drama films and and people who are, I guess that's their forte, they're too uh thespian like to to give horror its credit when horror is probably the most diverse the most
1: colorful genre like yeah and i was talking to chris bauer you know who's yale drama school and you know and been in hundreds of very like highbrow dramatic films and um because i'm now i've just actually started collaborating again with billy butler on his Latest sort of projects with Full Moon Man, Full Moon Productions, with Charlie Band, and Chris Bauer was saying, you know, the the stuff that actresses have to do in horror movies is like harder than Shakespeare. Like you've got to, you know, it's horrifying what you guys have to do. Like you have to get in that mode of being chased or being, you know, haunted or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, thank you, dear sir, Mr. Teeny <laughs> Actor. Fucking do have to do a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's
0: an art form that I think it doesn't get its flowers when it deserves it. But I do enjoy seeing people like I mean, obviously, you know them because you worked with them, the K&B guys like I love seeing, uh, you know, something like The Walking Dead blow up and Greg Nicotero kind of getting his flowers and howard Berger, like getting you know awards and stuff (laughs) granted not for not for like some of the groundbreaking work that those guys did in the late 80s early and throughout the 90s and they continue to do but that's what i love that something like maybe the walking dead blows up and people go back and they go oh greg nicotero started k and b with Robert Kirkman and, and Howard Berger. Let me, oh, these guys did this movie, this movie, this movie. Yeah. And I can only hope that those fans that are like, you know, surface level, you know, zombie fans discover that and then discover their work and discover those movies. And I, I think, I think the for the people that don't get into it for the nostalgia factor that didn't grow up with it, I think things like that do get them into the genre.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very true. And then I think Greg Nicotero's got this new thing, uh, creep show. Yeah, yeah, of course, the Creepshow revival, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've watched a few of those. They're really great. In fact, I'd never seen the original movie until Billy Butler introduced me to it. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, hilarious. Ted Danson? Oh, my yeah. God.
0: Well, Leslie Nielsen, like, that that's another thing. Leslie like,
1: Nielsen, like, burying people <laughs> alive on a beach? Like,
0: awesome! That's what, I mean, just, just to hear that Billy Butler's introduced you to creep show like for some reason it just warms my like horror loving heart for for whatever yeah. it it's just well a, i think
1: he's uh he's going to be attached to that show pretty soon i don't want to i know he's he's just recently wrote an episode for them that that
0: is awesome and that's what you, i just recently saw you guys post a picture you can and and bill together and yeah. that like blew me away because we had been prepping to do this episode. I was just like, I need to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. I was just <laughs> telling all the all the guys that do the podcast with me. I was like, we have to do this episode soon. And then I saw that that, and I was just like, we're doing it, we're doing it like in the next week, like. And that was just like the the little sign. How was that? That had to have been cool. Just to it was cool for me as a fan to see a picture of you guys together all these years later.
1: Yes, that was really cool. I've recently moved back to Los Angeles and Billy's in Los Angeles and Ken's very close to Los Angeles. So um, actually Ken Foray read Billy's book, The Adventures of the Horror Boy Next Door. No, The Tawdry Tales, sorry. (laughs) He's got a great book out and Ken read it and he's like, we all have to go to to dinner and just (laughs) talk. And it was so great. And we talked about like getting, you know, working together in the future, doing like little projects here and there.
0: Oh, I'm I'm all I'm all about it. I'm all for it. I fully support it. Um that it, you know, now that you you've had some time to like talk with fans about the film, like where do you and, and there's another that's what's great. Like there's another Texas Anti Massacre coming out. So people are going to go back and they're going to discover that haven't discovered these films and they're going to stumble upon this one. And I think, I think people, because we're out of that, that phase where like, we're not letting at least horror fans. I think there's a certain demographic that still lets like popular opinions try to dictate like where you think films sit in the pantheon of say a franchise or even the horror genre in general, but it seems like people have opened up their arms very wide for Texas Chainsaw Massacre three and there's a lot of love for it. And, and I mean, it, I think between you and Billy and Ari Mihailov and, and Viggo Mortensen and in, and Joe Unger's character, even too, I I, I think he is probably one of the most unsung characters. I, I know um Jeff Burr has oh, yeah. had him in, in several different films of, of his too. What was it like working with just that huge eclectic group and then to, to, think back on it all these years later and see where everyone's careers are now
1: and and just where the, so, the yeah it's so cool to think Crazy. about and, and to you know just like even in um in Dallas with Jeff Burr and RA and Ken Ferre and myself and Billy we were all there and we got to do one of those you know panels and you just every time we all get together you hear another story but I remember while I was filming it, I'd never, I'm pretty sure that was my first in front of a camera job. I think I did 30, I did some of the TV stuff afterwards. And I was so blown away that, you know, I was on a film set number one, and then I was the lead number two and Billy told this story of how he, it got down to two girls, whether it was Mike, Marcia cross and myself and the producer asked Billy you know who he thought would be better as his girlfriend and Billy said well Marsha Cross is way too like preppy for me so I think go for the other girl and it was like in that instant my life changed you know right and um and I got to witness uh Tom Everett ad living and you know I just saw how playful it was I'd done theater in college so I knew that acting in a group was fun. And I I knew that I had to do it for the rest of my life, whether it was on stage or um, in television or whatever. But filming Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 was my first experience on a film set with other actors. And I just sort of watched and learned. And it was a life-altering experience, as you can imagine.
0: No, absolutely. And to... uh... To kind of and
1: Vigo, and Vigo and Billy Butler were roommates at the time. And the actor that played was going to play Tex bowed out. He had something else to do. So Billy convinced Vigo to do it, much against Vigo's agent's, you know, <laughs> recommendation. And Vigo was like, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, well, why not? It'll only take, you know, six weeks and the rest is history. I used to pick up in my little honda cvcc i used to pick up billy and vigo on the way to the set every day and we drive in together they didn't have a car right i mean that it's uh
0: this (laughs) this movie has followed me since i was a child i remember when it came out on dvd in 2003 literally going to Best Buy to find it. Cause it was the only place that I could see that it was online and it was in store. So I went and bought this movie when it came out on DVD, they've oh since, you know, Warner archive has since released a, a Blu-ray edition. There's uh, all the special features on it. And it's, it's a, it seems like it's a, a, a miracle that the film got to where it has and that there's, it's gotta be complete like elation for you and, and Jeff Burr, especially with the the trials and tribulations he went through making it, um, oh God, yeah. that we're we're here now where everyone's talking about how great the film is and what a hellish shoot it was, especially for him for Jeff Burr, um, that we're here now and there's just so much you're able to kind of take a deep breath. That probably as a crew that worked on this film and the MPAA was just so brutal with so many films. I know uh, uh, Billy oh Bob. Ba-
1: was it was like the was a like christian Wright running the mpaa at that time it had to have been like, like the that
0: was, was just
1: yeah triple x rating triple x seriously there was not even boobies in it
0: well what we talked about it recently that west craven intentionally they they had cut west craven's film so much that west started filming it way over the top submitting that so when then he's he submitted what he actually wanted to have they were like yeah that's fine Oh, that's clever. It's, system. Right? it's uh but it's 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 fun for me to see where this film's at now and yes. just the fandom that just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. And I I thoroughly uh look forward to you coming to the East Coast for a convention as we have so many conventions out here too. Um absolutely yeah, it, I just think that it's it's just i, I mean I was
1: gonna do the one march 4th 5th and 6th but then i i have a family a family thing that weekend
0: yeah that's right because there's uh i think ra is at that one and a few others and
1: sure ken foray is going to be there yep if, if he's not in england <laughs> he's such a good guy oh my gosh
0: i i met ken um years ago at a horror convention and he was uh, the most jovial person in the room when, when I met him. And, and we yeah. have, we have six or seven Ken foray stories and we were only in the guy's presence for like three minutes.
1: <laughs> yes. And don't forget, we also had um, Kane Hodder as our stunt man on that. Yes, movie. Of, co- of course. I mean, it, and Kane's, you know, Kane's a, a stalwart
0: of the convention scene. It has been for a while now. The legend. Yeah. That's what I mean. There's just so many genre faces and, and genre names attached to just this singular film, obviously, that branches off into so many others. Um, yeah. but you're a you're a part of that. That's gotta feel so good to just be tied to so many. Oh of my
1: gosh, films. yes. I feel so lucky because you know, Billy with the Friday the thirteenths and the, you know, Walking Deads and Living Deads and Ken Foray with all his many horror credits. You know, I'm even telling my my manager now because I kind of took a little break from acting for just a few years. And then I'm like, you know what? I miss it too much. And so I'm like, you know, we got to get, you know, get me into some horror stuff. I mean, someone's got to want me back in it. Like I said, cameo is, you know, the old lady in the background it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll do it.
0: Well, the genre is as big as it's ever been now, it feels like, and there's just, there's way more opportunities for, for so much. Um, especially when we're talking about, uh, older films coming back and and, and yeah. everyone just wants more of it in the genre that's what's nice about the genre it's it's ravenous for its content
1: yes yes and I think you know the snobby do, doobie doo like drama people are catching on because now I mean Kate Blanchett's in Nightmare <laughs> Alley or whatever <laughs> exactly it's like oh now you get it you stupid snobbies These
0: are the, these are the same conversations I have uh, with friends amongst our, our, you know, our pizza box on Friday. (laughs) Uh, This is the same conversations. Um, But as we're wrapping up, Kate, I I do want to thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. um, Oh my gosh, my pleasure. To talk a little bit about your career and just to, to, just to hear that you are diving back in we could see you in some horror related films like i just i mean it it, as a horror fan it makes me very happy and if you could tell if there's anywhere that anybody can find you on social media or or follow you so they could see what you're up to uh
1: just let the listeners know where they can find you online well um i'm not i'm pretty sure your listeners are familiar with charles band of course yes well he has an app full moon features a streaming channel and i just finished filming a series with billy butler called beyond the resonator total gory so cool it's going to drop in a couple of weeks but you can also see it on tubi pluto and amazon prime And it's called Beyond the Resonator, and and there's a whole bunch of stuff on Charlie Band's app that is a whole bunch of content. Classic horror, new horror, even like, you know, sort of Skinamax kind of stuff for your horny, you know, listeners. There's all (laughs) kinds of great stuff there.
0: It's funny we're talking about Mr. Band because I just placed an order and got movies in from Full Moon just last week. Um, so. Oh oh
1: my gosh! Okay, well that's—I mean—that's my—that's my my comeback, my comeback project. Oh, that's and hopefully for many with with Billy Butler, and because Billy Butler is a prolific writer and director now.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, he is—he is someone I'm actually in contact with currently, and hopefully, I know he's a—he's a busy man, so. Um, we are uh, I'm hopefully gonna have him on soon him and I are uh, have uh, exchanged
1: a few messages so I fully look forward to that but Kate oh I my can- god I will tell him to you know get busy and get on your show <laughs> I greatly appreciate it
0: Kate I can't thank you enough this has been so awesome and I wish you nothing but the best and I thoroughly thoroughly uh, am looking forward to seeing you and beyond the Reson- resonator um it is uh it's I want you back full force in the horror genre. And this is the first step and I'm excited to see it. And I can't thank you enough. Oh my God.
1: Yay. Your mouth to God's ears, baby. Let's make it happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kate. Thank you so much. Everyone. You can check this episode and all their archival episodes out on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google play, Uh, listen, stream, download, review, and let us know what you think. And we will see you next time.